today on Ag News Daily. These programs don't work if the program doesn't work for the farmer. We're seeing good premiums um, in the space today and a, a lot more new activity that could produce new rewards for farmers, new ways for them to make this work for their farm business. Well, here we are, February 13th, 2024, Ag News Daily Podcast Edition. Delaney, at least it's not a Friday, right? I like Fridays. What's wrong with Fridays? Well, today it would have been Friday the 13th. Is mm, that the only time it's unacceptable to want a Friday? Did, are you superstitious? I'm not, but I feel like others around you are. And then that makes me paranoid when they think bad things are going to happen. Uh, so more more a factor of what's surrounding us. Mm, so you're influenced by others. Ah, there you go. Influence. I like that. Well, let's see what's influencing the weather for today. We do have flooding that's persisting in Illinois. Rivers are starting to recede, so that's a good sign. They are receding steadily, according to the National Weather Service. The Illinois River at Beardstown is 17.9 feet at the end of the day yesterday. That's still above their 14-foot flood stage. It's likely it'll take until Sunday this week before it falls below that. Northern Illinois snow is expected tonight with accumulation of around an inch. There is a rain-snow mix for parts of Indiana as well going into Wednesday night and Thursday. Precipitation is expected to only have minor impacts. Out here on the West Coast, we've got a couple of small systems, but largely going to bypass the area where the World Ag Expo is. It looks like it should be in the low 60s today, partly cloudy, breezy. Seems to be kind of the theme as we are looking at some breezy days also across the Midwest, Oklahoma, and southern into Texas. So it looks like just a little bit of snow in the north side, north region, Delaney, wind in the Midwest. Otherwise, a pretty good day for most of our listeners today. All right. Well, we'll be watching to see who gets snow this uh, later this week. But otherwise, standard switching paths here. The first major case of avian influenza has been reported here in the state of Colorado in nearly two years. APHIS and the U.S. Department of Agriculture confirmed that the virus wasn't found in a commercial flock in Delta County, Colorado, which affected about 67,000 birds. The last time a commercial case was reported in the state of Colorado was December of 2022. In other parts of the country, APHIS has reported some cases of an outbreak in a commercial turkey flock in North Carolina. That outbreak affected 32,000 birds and also Gage County, Nebraska posted an outbreak that affected 102,000 birds as of the beginning of the year here. So in the past 30 days, the disease has been identified in eight commercial flocks and 12 backyard flocks affecting about 530,000 birds. So it seems we are not out of the woods here yet. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it's probably going to resurface here as temperatures fluctuate, but going to hit the two big farm shows that are happening right now. Starting out here at the World Ag Expo, Ag Innovation is going to take main stage. We have robots on display of all types of services to the ag industry. Robots that clear weeds are new technology. They'll hit the agro center in Tulare. We also see those that shake nut trees autonomously, autonomously. then also looking at those to contain, contain chemicals as well as removing chemical containers to provide those that spray a safer work environment. 
And we also see that there is a product lineup for advanced sensors and programmable features that you can add to your operation. Also kind of neat, we get to see out here, Delaney, the Gus program that has the ability for automation of a fully autonomous vehicle that can be used for spraying herbicides, pesticides, and any other uh, aerial sprayed products, especially used for orchard. We do see plenty of innovation out here at the World Ag Expo, which kicks off today in Tulare. We got plenty of tractor production parts that are going on as well. But Ryan Rusink's giving you the lay of the land for the National Farm Machinery Show. He's got a couple of tips for first-time attendees of the Louisville Farm Show. Just stay here, let yourself wander, and then hit the big guest booths, the large displays in the afternoon. Don't avoid the small booths, but to hit those early in the day because there's less traffic in those aisles. Make sure you make it out to the general area where you can check on the Farm American Dream displays. And Lainey, those are the miniature farm scales that some of the youth and those invested in the program have really put together. But for him, it doesn't end just at the show. Remember, Louisville, Kentucky has a lot to offer, whether it's from the Louisville Slugger Museum, the distilleries that are available, or the tractor pull that is happening. So uh, quite an interesting show there. It looks like a lot of technology on display also in Louisville. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm surprised you didn't hit that. But as you've said before, this might be the last year of the World Ag Expo, Tanner. So you got to make sure you hit all the booths for us this year. That's correct. I mean, I'm excited to see what the attendance is like and try to find a couple of the officials out here. That might be a unique conversation to get a hold of. I'm sure it will. But Tanner, some legislative news here. We saw the Senate on Tuesday passed another pretty large aid bill here for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. $95.34 billion in aid to be exact. But now it faces an uncertain path ahead in the House of Representatives. Lawmakers approved the measure in the Senate 70 to 29 that exceeds the chamber's 60 vote threshold for the legislation to get sent to the House. And they said it's certainly been years, perhaps decades, since the Senate has passed a bill so greatly impacts not just our national security, not the security of our allies, but the security of the Western democracy, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Senator, there's a lot of Ukraine headlines here today, as that is just one of many, but quite a few other countries have followed suit here and are passing similar aid packages and legislation. I saw Japan had a bill on their uh, congressional floor and quite a few other countries as well here. But when we look at some Ukrainian headlines... Ukraine may seek easing of Green Deal requirements, according to a source close to Kiev. Ukraine could consider foregoing the European Union's agrarian subsidies in exchange for an easing of the bloc's Green Deal requirements during accession talks starting next month. Ukraine, which is, of course, a huge agricultural producer feeding lots of folks, uh, is poised here to potentially be able to avoid the Green Deal and some of the impacts we've seen here elsewhere, just due to all the other potential issues that they are facing. The green, the EU's Green Deal, which sets out agricultural regulations for the bloc's 27 members for decades, 
could make business difficult for Ukrainian farmers. And they said they don't need another challenge barrier ahead of them for agriculture. You know, that is the Green Deal is part of the reason, Tanner, we've seen so many farmers across Europe protesting. The latest here uh, in Poland, as Polish farmers have continued to crank up pressure on the EU agriculture policies, including the Green Deal. But now I think we're currently up to uh, protests I read in like 15 or 20 countries some of the top ones that we've seen in the headlines here are France, Belgium, Portugal, Greece, Spain, Germany, um, Poland, Bulgaria, and I think quite a few others are starting to get added to that list, Tanner. But it's wild what is going on in Europe right now. Yeah, I was just reading on some of that as you were talking about it. It looks like the Ukrainian gross domestic product did grow 3.5% year over year when looking at January. That's due to the suspension of the Polish border blockade. But yes, this is the longest running engaged protest over the European trade deal. And unfortunately, it's hurt Ukraine border crossings because we know how difficult it is to get uh, things shipped by sea. But a couple of extra updates to add before I transition to my last topic. President Zelensky did meet with his new appointed military chiefs on Monday. And this was after a leadership shake up yesterday or last week and we also see here that ukrainians military intelligence is saying that russia is purchasing spacex made starlink terminals through arab countries sunday spacex ceo elon musk stated that he has no knowledge of starlinks that have been sold directly or indirectly to russia and rolling into my last headline for the day is updates on short stature corn of course, Delaney, you and I and our families were right in the path of the derecho that hit in 2020. That produced 125 mile per hour straight line winds and put a focus on those that were breeding short statured hybrid corn. Sean Bloomgren had been quoted multiple times in this article stating what the impact the winds have on crops, even when they are only as high as 35 and 50 miles per hour. Green snap becomes an issue, but the industry is looking to create short stature corn that performs just as well as other varieties. Compared to the standard size hybrids, in 2023, short stature corn did yield just right alongside that of his regular hybrids on all dryland production. The short stature corn is both met and exceeded his expectations, according to this article. So on different paths, Bayer and Corteva AgriScience and the Iowa-based Stein Seed Company are working together in the shorter corn area. Bayer anticipates that their current short hybrid lineup, which has been conventionally bred, will be available next year. Corteva is evaluating uh, multiple parts of their program and is looking to meet the market at the same time. And of course, Stein Seed Company has been ahead of the curve. They already have some of their hybrids out and available, Delaney, but that's what I've got for headlines today. Well, I think I am out of headlines here, aside from taking a look here quickly at the markets and heading into the overnight here session. We are just at the open. March corn is up a penny and a half at 4.32. Soybeans here at the open, we're up a quarter of a cent in the overnight to open at 11.93 and a quarter. 
taking a look at the wheat complex that is continuing to push lower here on this Tuesday morning as March Chicago wheat down four and a quarter cent at 593 and a quarter. Hard red March winter wheat down five and three quarters cents at 593 and March spring wheat down five and a quarter cent at 677 and a quarter. Taking a look at the livestock markets here at the open. April live cattle will open at a buck 82, 92 and a half on the board. March feeder cattle at 248.82. And April lean hogs will open this morning at 81.12 and a half. Tanner for today's Tech Tuesday conversation, chatting with Kurt Alice, the head of sustainability for Farmers Business Network. Well, folks, for today's Tech Tuesday, we're chatting with Kurt Alice, the head of sustainability for Farmers Business Network. Kurt, super excited to chat with some big news coming down the pipeline just recently here for FBN. But thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, Kurt, I'm curious, as the head of sustainability, what does your role entail for FBN? Yeah, so um, I actually like to say head of sustainable uh, sustainable business um, because really all of my work is focused on facilitating premiums for ecosystem services for farmers. We think about the sustainability business unit as a way for uh, farmers to monetize practices, um, a lot of practices that have existed for a while, um, but to create new income streams for the farm. Um, we do that through a host of partnerships uh, with the supply chain. So uh, FBN has a lot of different businesses that focus on expanding the, the profit potential uh, of the family farm. And I think sustainability fits right in uh, with the rest of the work that we're doing. Sustainability has been just such a hot button topic here for the last year, two years plus. So I think this is happening at such a great time. You know, you look at sustainability when you come when it comes to different programs that are out there in the space for producers and just thinking about all the different myriad of ways you can layer these programs on together and different ways to get paid. I'm excited to dig more into the recent announcement here that you're really focused on sustainability solutions for 2024. And you've got some big milestones ahead of you for this year. What are those and how did you come to those milestones together? Yeah, yeah, Delaney, uh, really Sustain, the, the world of sustainability and agriculture has just dra- changed dramatically, uh, as you've described, having really kept a finger on the pulse for the last uh, five years um, and then really worked on it directly through Farmers Business Network for the last three and a half. Um, I mean, it's it's night and day. Uh, it, it, the, there's, you know, so much going on. Um, there's so much more activity we see formalization of a lot of the markets that we're operating in, and it's really exciting. And so, as you mentioned, right now we're, we're sort of celebrating uh, the work that we've done for crop year 23 um, as we go into big expansion uh, for 24. Um, and so, uh, you know, our programming, um, as I mentioned, really gets farmers paid for conservation activities, activities that are good for uh, soil health, good for water quality, promote biodiversity, things like cover cropping and no-till and nutrient efficiency, and a lot of practices that just help the bottom line. About 3,500 farmers uh, participate in various programs that we run. Uh, these programs are in and outside of the supply chain. Uh, we have marquee partnerships with ADM and Poet, helping them 
um, realize uh, and and um, really track ecosystem services from the farm um, down into bushels that they're purchasing and um, uh, processing into different products. And so we had about 3,500 farmers, about three and a half million acres of farmers participating, planting cover crops, reducing tillage, um, that sort of thing. And really we're hoping to double that in 2024. We have continued traction with our existing partnerships. We're looking to um, expand um, into some new partnerships. Um, and we're just seeing more of a willingness to pay in the market, formalization of voluntary regulatory markets that are providing um, more consistent demand uh, for these activities um, and really a home uh, for these more sustainable, sustainable produced bushels. So um, yeah, uh, celebrating what happened in 2023 and looking for a big expansion into 2024, which we couldn't be more excited about. Yeah, so Kurt, as you think about all of the different programs that are out there right now, does FBN see themselves as an aggregator to help get all of those in one place for growers to help identify what ones best align with their operation? Or is FBN actually going out there being a change maker to put some of these partnerships and programs in place? Yeah, I, I think what we found is that, you know, we've run programs uh, just ourselves and then we've run programs in partnership. Um, with other agribusinesses. And what we've we found really is that we provide the technology infrastructure for programs. So we really are there um, collaborating with our partners, designing programs, making sure that data collection requirements um, are reasonable, making sure that the programs work uh, for farmers as well as uh, for the buyers. And so for us, I think we're, we're bringing together a lot of programs in one place Farmer can go to fbn.com and see what programs are available in the, their area. What potentially could I be eligible for with the practices I'm already using or practices um, that I want to adopt um, and see, you know, what's the right fit for me. Um, but I think that we're at our best when we're working uh, with groups that are operating with the supply chain or collaborating with um, FBN's finance organization to build um, new double bottom line products um, and really just facilitate with our technology platform, our analytics system, our data ingestion uh, technology, uh, these programs for farmers, really make things streamlined, make sure everything is accountable, compliant, um, and that we can get farmers paid for these practices. So I think, I think that's where we're at our best um, operating programs. So as you look at 2023 now in the rear view mirror, you mentioned you had about 1,500 farmers across 1 million acres enrolled, and your goal is to double that here in 2024. But from an ROI perspective, what kind of economic impact did that have for the growers that you worked with last year? And what kind of impact are you expecting it to see this year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, farmers in our program were able to get up to $25 per acre. Um, uh, for planting cover crops, uh, in, 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 increasing uh, nutrient efficiency, reducing emissions. Um, $25 per acre doesn't always cover uh, the practices. I know uh, growers that have uh, cover crop programs that are more expensive than that. Um, but what we're seeing is, is the, these are still, it's still early days uh, in these markets. And we've seen you know, pretty dramatic uh, increase in premiums uh, over the last couple of years. 
Um, and so, um, you know, no single practice is going to be a, a silver bullet uh, for a farm operation. I think that uh, different geographies, different soil types, um, different crops, you're going to have different practices that are going to be best for, as you said, improving that ROI, impacting the bottom line. Um, and so we continue to expand, offer new programs that fit more growers, more businesses, um, and looking to really meet farmers where they are. I mean, these, these programs don't work um, if the program doesn't work uh, for the farmer. And so um, we're seeing good premiums um, in the space today and a, a lot more new activity that could uh, produce new rewards for farmers, new ways for them um, uh, to make this work for their farm business. Right as we wrap up our conversation today, if any of our listeners are curious to dig more into some of the sustainability solutions that FBN is focused on here in 2024, what's the best place to go to get some more information? Yeah, uh, if you're looking to learn more about these programs, um, go to fbn.com. Uh, we're operating programs across about 20 states in the U.S., uh, three provinces uh, in Canada. Um, we have uh, supply chain programs as well as finance opportunities. And really, by going to fbn.com, you can look at all of our products and services. Um, you can uh, go down into our finance offerings or go to our sustainability page. Um, those are the best ways to, to learn more. Um, sign up um, and see if uh, a program works for you. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much again for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Delaney. Appreciate it. Oh, another great interview. And hopefully we bring a couple of those back from the trade show this week. So listeners don't go too far. With Delaney for today, what do you say? Should we let him go? Let's let him go.